Um, on this Pentecost, I just want to start out by saying this question, asking this question. If you had a 700 horsepower, top of the line engine connected to a beautiful transmission in a sports car, and then you had another car with a 10 horsepower, like lawnmower engine, which car is faster? How many say the first one? How many say the second one? Well, it's a trick question because whichever car has gasoline is faster. It doesn't matter how big of an engine you have, if you got no fuel, it's nothing but a little eye, beautiful eye candy. I'd rather have a 10 horsepower car if I need to get somewhere, amen? And so I wanted to share with that illustration in the beginning because no matter who you are, how smart you are, how much money you have, how brilliant you are, how well-intended you are for God, how well you sing, how well you talk, you're just hardware, but the power source to move you is the Holy Spirit. And this is why Jesus is saying, when I leave you, it's better for you that I go away because I'm going to send you an advocate, the Holy Spirit, and he did on Pentecost Sunday. In Acts chapter 2, we read that they were praying and they were waiting and then the wind started blowing and then like a rushing wind, as they were waiting, the wind blew and people started being filled with fire and wind. They started praying in different tongues. For example, in your own language, other than English, if English is the only language, can you say, how are you? And ready? Say, how are you in your own language in three seconds? Ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, that was too short. Say, say, uh, say uh, God is good in your own language. Ready? Three, two, one. Yeah. And so that times a million was just swirling around as people were praising God and declaring. So Pentecost is the day that the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, and there was no church or a movement of church yet. But on Pentecost, when they were filled with the Spirit, with common power and God's dwelling within them, the church was launched. So in many ways, today's happy birthday to church. And this is why we celebrate Pentecost. And so how does this fit in with your life and my life? I like to always do a big picture. Just a big scale, you and I were made by who? Just one more time, who are you and I made by? We were made by God. Our purpose in life and existence is to dwell with God, period. We make our life look like so short, but your purpose in life is to dwell with God. But sin violated that. So your joy, happiness, pleasure was always meant to be in God. But when sin came in, fishing became my joy. My money became my joy. My golfing became my pleasure. Watching my children and grandchildren became my life. And they're not bad things, but what does sin do? It distorts the reality that you and I were designed and meant for God. Because God, can you say this with me? God wants to dwell with us. Dwell within us. See, 
you know, do you know what you just stated is, is hugely radical? Because Muslims, for example, when they see Allah, they never declare Allah to be a personal God. We're too sinful. So they look at Allah as sitting afar and we just are pleasing Allah. The God of the Bible from Old Testament, New Testament shows a God who says, I love you, Jesse. I want to dwell with you forever. And, and Jesus comes. Jesse, look, he's blushing. So, so every time we walk away, we are not just sinning, but we have replaced God with something else in our lives. So uh, you might have understood, sociologists have discovered, sociologists, secular sociologists discovered that you, the happiest people in surveys, you know who they were? For black and Latinos. They've, there was an author who wrote a book in Soulmates, Religion, Sex, Love, and Marriage. And they discovered the people who went to church as a family were consistently happier in life and in relationships. Does that surprise you? Families that go to church together, stay together, are happier together. And it is no wonder in the 21st century amongst millennium young adults, they're the most lonely, scared of being rejected generation ever. So there's this fear that they have called fear of missing out. They call it FOMO. Fear of missing out. Like, is someone hanging out without me? Am I, am I cool? Am I part of this clique? And so we're made to be relational with God. And so Deion Sanders, he, he won Super Bowl with Dallas Cowboys. Woo! Dallas Cowboys. And on the night he won the Super Bowl, he accomplished all his dreams, including buying a Lamborghini. How many of you have a Lamborghini? Because I want to hang out with you. He accomplished all his dreams, graduated college, went to NFL, and won the Super Bowl and bought a Lamborghini. And in an interview, this is what he said. As he was lying in bed, he realized he had achieved every goal he ever set out for and listened to this. Yet, he was still empty. Things can never replace God. God can replace the void. We were meant to be with God, and how can we be with God forever? And the gospel of Jesus Christ answers that. Jesus Christ came, he died on the cross, obliterated the power of sin, and he rose again. And then he says, wait, because I am sending you an advocate. And within 40 days, like a sound of rushing wind, God doesn't just come to us, but, but you ready for this? Jesus says in John 17, 14, 17, he's not going to just be with you, but he's going to be in you. I, you Presbyterians. I'm going to say that one more time. The creator of this universe that holds your molecular structure together and the billions of galaxies and stars, and he says, be there, hang out here, shine bright there, that God is dwelling within us. Amen. That, one more time. <laughs> the creator of the universe that we worship, that we say you and you alone dwells within 
you feeble men and women. Wow, this is Pentecost. So this is why when you hear people say Christianity is not a religion, it's not a religion. We don't follow rules to get to God. God obliterates sin and humanity and mortality to live in people, punks like me, in broken people like you. And this is our God. Who wants to worship God? I do. When I see that, it makes me say, you are worthy, God. And so I want to look at the Holy Spirit really quick and share with you just a quick insight. So Pentecost, I want to look at Old Testament and New Testament really quick. Was the Holy Spirit powerful and active in the Old Testament before Pentecost? How many say yes? How many say no? How many say I don't want to embarrass myself? I want to be like Jason in high school and never raise his hands. So, yes, so Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 창세기 1장 2절에 하나님의 영은 수면에, 수면에 활동하고 계셨다. So God was already there. The Spirit of God was moving. He was already there. Uh, Spirit of God was with the people of God in the Old Testament, like David. David was a shepherd boy, and he used to beat up bears, lions, <laughs> to protect his sheep. And he gave credit to God. God was with me. He will always be with me. He became king and God filled him. Saul, we have a Saul in our church, but there's a Saul in the Bible. He became the first king of Israel. And look, look at this verse. The spirit of the Lord will come upon, powerfully upon you, Saul, and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Saul, the Holy Spirit is going to rest on you. You will be a great king of Israel. And lastly, you see that all these prophets, the Spirit of God was with them. So in the Old Testament, Holy Spirit was with people. But in the Old Testament, there was a difference. Not every believer had the Holy Spirit with them. Only select people like David, Saul, some prophets. And so the problem with that is in the Old Testament, if you sinned against God, guess what happens to the Holy Spirit? It says, see you later. So look at Saul. We just talked about Saul. Look at Saul in 1 Samuel 16. Saul disobeyed God, and it says this. Now, can we read this together? Can you imagine... God says, I'm only going to be with you if you're good and you obey. That's how it was in the Old Testament. He gives him a fair chance, though. He says, Saul, just obey me and I am with you. And Saul decided to be his own God and prophet and disobey God. And God says, now the spirit of the Lord, I rejected Saul as king. And so this is right before David shows up and Saul starts trying to make shish kebab out of David. Starts throwing a spear at David. He's jealous, he's angry, he's filled with the evil spirit. And so in the Old Testament, God does take his Holy Spirit away. And so King David, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, yes, our great David, he wrote this Psalm 51 knowing that God can take away his spirit from us in the Old Testament. And he writes this prayer and he says this, do not, can we read this together? Do not cast me from your presence or take 
your Holy Spirit from me. So I, I realize that song that we sing, Created Me, might not be completely biblically accurate for Christians today. Because David wrote it because in the Old Testament, when David sinned against God and Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, David feared, Lord, don't go away from me, please, I beg you. And so, and also happened to Samson, uh, really quick, uh, Bible story, children's Bible story, Samson had long hair, he was very, and his enemy were the Philistines, and then so they try to get the secret of Samson, and he's like, I'm not going to tell you, and then Delilah comes, and Delilah says, what's your secret? And he, she says, he says, finally, it's my hair. And so when he fell asleep, Delilah came and went, snip, snip, snip. And then it says his power left him. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Now, folks, is the power and physical strength in hair? No, but he was a Nazarene. And under Nazarenic oath, while he was in his mother's womb, the promise was, never let a razor fall to his head and he will be set apart for God. But Samson reversed that by violating that covenant with God. God's spirit left him. And the good news, it came back at the end so he could give victory to, over the Philistines one last time. So yes, the Holy Spirit was in Old Testament. So how is it different today? Something changed. What changed in the New Testament? You guys are good biblical scholars now. What changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament that radically changed our Holy Spirit relationship with us? Say that name one more time. Jesus. Tell it to a neighbor right now. Jesus. Jesus. There was a change. Jesus came. The triune God came. He died. He rose again. And in verse 15... If you love me, keep my commands. And Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Where is God? I don't see God. You guys are just crazy religious nuts. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is doing something crazy here. The word in you will be in you. It's future tense. Right now I'm praying for you. The Holy Spirit is coming. But shortly in the future, near future, the Holy Spirit will be in you. What changed all this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That people like you and me, no one knows your secrets except for you. No one knows all your lies except for you. No one knows your past except for you and God. And God says, I still want you. I still want to save you. I still want to redeem you. And I want to live in you. What kind of God deserves your life and my life than a God who says, I still love you? And so there is this change. And the power that shifts is that the power in you is not the self Oprah Winfrey help. You know, today we hear this, you can do it. It's inside of you. You know, and some pastors, preachers are saying, claim it and redeem it. You could be rich. And today they say stuff like, 
you know, everything you need, it's in you. You're so smart. You're so good. Just draw out the power within you. And I don't know about you. I'm just speaking for me. I know how decrepit, how fallible, how deceiving I am. If I had to rely on my own inner power, I am the worst savior to me that I could find. I need some power outside of me to save me and to dwell in me. So this power is what's needed for spiritual life because our lives are spiritual. And here's the best part, New Testament. I love this. The best part of the New Testament is this. Does the Holy Spirit dwell only in Israelites? Does the Holy Spirit dwell only in Koreans? Does the Holy Spirit only dwell with Egyptians, Italians, Mexicans, Irish, even the Irish? That was a joke. Come on, guys. The, the great part about this is the grace of the Holy Spirit is this, that the Holy Spirit dwells in anyone, all nations, tribes, and tongues who profess Jesus Christ as king. And this is why in Acts 1.8, but you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the world. This is what the choir just sang. The good news is that the Holy Spirit can dwell in all people. Not just Southern Baptists, not just good old American boys, but every single sinful human being that professes Jesus Christ and says, save me. I'm a sinner. So Ephesians 1, 13, 14 says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And so this is the good news from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Lastly, is in the New Testament, not only can anyone get it, but the Holy Spirit will never depart from us. Who thinks that's good news? Hallelujah. Because can you imagine if, if this was true, based on this past week, just try this, God's spirit will dwell with you next week or not. How was your past week, folks? All right? Can some of you say, God, I lived a perfect life this past week. Holy Spirit, rock on. All right, I'm going to be honest, man, because I don't see any Jesus in here. I see Jesus followers, but every single one of us we sin every day. And if our relationship with God was conditional, we are lost. But the grace of our God through the Holy Spirit is he will stay with you, he will work with you, and he will mold you to become like Jesus. And this is the good news. So you were meant to do this because Jesus says you were meant to live a vibrant, victorious, abundant life. I wrote this in here because I want to say this. Christian life, can I just do a wake-up call? I feel like when I talk to our church members, Christian life is looked at this. Lord, help me to get through. Lord, just, just help me to be a good Christian just one day. I, I, I hear a lot of that. Like, it's so hard. And I just want to say this. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have not come. The, the enemy comes to kill and destroy, but I have come to give you abundant life. You were not meant to just get by. You were meant to be victorious with God. You were not meant to just get by. 
You were meant to be victorious in all circumstances with God. Amen? This is abundant life. He didn't just save us so you could just get by like, oh, another day. He says, let it come, but in Christ I stand. I have victory in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit dwell within me. Overcome. This is the beauty of Holy Spirit. And so you were meant to be. So I want to end with three applications and I'll land this plane. Uh, are we caught up with the slides? So just three applications. Number one, can we read the top bold part? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, no, just, you're going too fast. Okay. Be filled with the Holy So first, the command of the Bible is be filled. It's a command with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, let's read this together. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The command is, don't just have the Holy Spirit in you. Christians, you have the Holy Spirit in you when you come to Christ, but let it fill you. So Pastor Jason, how do I become filled with the Holy Spirit? And this is the beauty of the basic answer. It's a day-by-day walk in his word, in prayer, in setting yourself before him, before you turn on the iPhone, before you go to your Facebook and Snapchat and your work and your golf and your, all your stuff. It's God, fill me with you. And as you read the word and as you grow and meditate and he speaks to you, it fills you up with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you, but it becomes vivacious and vibrant. And the reason Christian churches are so weak today is we have forgotten how to be filled with the Holy Spirit in his word. We are religious. We are not relational with God. We need people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, not filled with the things of the world, but with God. Two, this one's the easiest. You could do it right now at home and you're driving home. It's just acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I feel like Holy Spirit is like my son, Ethan. You know, we have Jamie and Michelle, and the youngest one always gets ignored. Uh, like, you know, I, don't, I was a third, so maybe I have a complex. Like, my sister has pages of pictures, of baby pictures. My brother was the first boy. He has pages of pictures. You know how many baby pictures I have? One. I was that ugly and or I was a third. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is this third. We're like, God, Jesus, who? Holy Spirit, just acknowledge. He's the one that's going to help you become like Christ. He's the one that curbs your thoughts. He molds your heart. The Holy Spirit is the one that when you worship and you feel that joy, it's the Holy Spirit saying, it's rock on. Let's go. And so just, what the wrong slide. <laughs> Next one. So these are the, just, just start you off. This is all you say in your car every day. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, show me the beauty of God. Show me that you're here even when I'm so frightened. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, lead me. And it's just a simple prayer. But when you do that, you're doing the third part. Next slide. You're surrendering to the Holy Spirit. I think I'm going to tell you, church, this is your hardest one. Because acknowledging, you just need to be remembered. Being filled, you got to get your spiritual discipline. This is the hardest. Who knows why this is the hardest? 
Because this involves this H word for you to be humble. This requires you to be humble and let your pride get crushed and say, you're smarter than me, God. You lead me, God. Your way, God. And the hardest part for the church today is being able to surrender your dreams, your pleasures, your sins, your pride, your hurt to the Holy Spirit. And so Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. I like patience better. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This fruit can only develop in you when the Holy Spirit is working in you. Um, let me end with two stories. My fig tree, not even fig tree, my avocado tree is bearing fruit. Remember the avocado tree? It's got fruit this big, avocados. Guacamole party at my house. You know what we learned? You got to leave it alone. We were pruning it. You don't prune avocado trees. I didn't know that. We were like shaking. No, we didn't shake it, but I was choking it. I was like, where's the fruit? And I found out the best way the avocado tree grows and bears fruit is it's just got to be where it is and soak up the water. It can't be messed around. It just stays there. It sucks up the nutrients of the California sun and bears fruits. We need to learn how to surrender and be still and say, God, work in me. Can we say that? God, work in me. And bear these fruits in me because it's not your power to bear them. It's the Holy Spirit working and the fruit develops. And I'll end with the story from Texas that Nathan and Pia, a couple of people I know. I want to share this because some of you are like still abstract. What's the Holy Spirit? And I'll show you one story with how the Holy Spirit worked. My last year in Texas with the youth group, about eight churches got together and 500 youth group kids went to a retreat. Just 500 hormonal teenage kids going to a retreat. The first night was all right. Second night was okay. The third night. We came back out of dinner. We can't plan this. And we're just, pastors are just chilling and the praise band is tuning up. And then out of the corner, we hear this sound. We're like, what is that? And we see like five kids on their knees in front of the stage just praying. No one told them. We didn't say, hey, it's prayer time. We just, even the pastors were like hanging out. Then for a weird reason, I've never seen this. These teenagers just come one at a time and they're all on their knees and they're praying louder. And the praise team is tuning up and they look at us and they're like, what do we do? So we're like, I don't know, just, 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 just play something. And so the whole, the, the, the whole auditorium is starting to get louder with crying and we can't explain it. No one said, you gotta pray. No one said, invite the Holy Spirit down. We, we were just chilling. And then it just took over the whole auditorium. And for an hour before worship, as a good Presbyterian, I was like, this is killing our schedule. <laughs> God, why do you have to interrupt my plan? The Holy Spirit just waved through. And kids were repenting. Kids were praying Kids were standing up and singing. 
It was the strangest, unfamiliar sight I've seen. And then the praise team took over and we went right into worship. The Holy Spirit is willing to work and move in people who are willing to surrender. For people who declare God is above all gods. That Jesus Christ is my only Savior. And no matter where my road goes, if you are with me, Holy Spirit, I'll go. This is why God has given you and me the Holy Spirit to be witnesses outside of these doors to the world and community around us. You are the visible church to a world who sees an invisible God. May the Holy Spirit dwell with you richly. May we be filled with him. Let us pray. Lord, may your Holy Spirit just rest in this place. We step aside of our thrones. We step aside from our sins. And we acknowledge, God, that you are God, that Jesus, you are the mighty Savior. And so have your way with us and have your way in us. And continue to let your power be the source that keeps us going. May this church stand on the rock of Jesus Christ and be moved and propelled by the fuel, the fire of the Holy Spirit, working in the lives of a people who are fully surrendered to him. And God, may you receive all the glory, honor, and praise. Forgive us for neglecting you. And forgive us for making church a human institution when it is a divine organization by a divine king. Thank you so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.